Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Up Your Confidence podcast. This will be a podcast conversation for and by women to equip, empower, and elevate us to up your confidence every day to live our God-given potential. And now, here is your host. everyone welcome to another episode of your up your confidence podcast podcast where you explore experience and challenge um and we talk about women uh, in general and how to reach your god-given uh, potential in today's episode i'm your host lizard zuno today's episode we're gonna tackle the life cycle of black women in corporate america and um, this episode came to me, it is actually going to be a series because there's going to be a lot, a lot. And let's see how we're going to pack it up. You know, this might be a three part. It might be at least two part, but we'll see. I don't want us to have four part series, you know, at least two part series. And this came from the idea that, you know, there's a lot of graduation going on right now. I have literally three, four, five family members, you know, young adults that are all graduating. I'm seeing high school graduate going to college, but I've seen a lot of college graduate, like young black women, young black men going out of the door around me. I don't know if it's an age thing or where I am in my life, most uncle or auntie or older friend or even friends of my age that had their kids while I was uh, in my 20s, they're all graduating now, these kids, right? So the auntie in me has been thinking about, you know, sending them gifts, sending them advice, and, you know, having them, because the kids love to listen to podcasts, you know, the young adults, they are into podcasts. And uh, I was also in a podcast long too, uh, too long ago, and I realized that people are really interested in my story. Like, Lizette, how I've been in the corporate space now for nearly two decades. Yes, I don't look like it for those of you that know me personally. But I was like, this might be a good episode to just unveil the veil, you know, lift the veil up a little bit about my story, you know. But in general, the life cycle of black women in corporate America, because I've seen some, uh, you know, thought around that. You know, I've done my research. I'm also a black woman. Hello. And uh, I feel like I could be able to have talk on this, you know, and I can just share my personal experience. You know, it has been a lot of ups and downs. You know, there's a zillion story, a different way how this can play out. But I just want you to use this episode as a talking point, especially with the new graduate that you have in your family that are on their way to, uh, you know, the, um, in the corporate world, they're going to get their first job. Some of them are already doing internship. Some of them are going to get some their first job, right? It's good for them to just know because 
being a first generation in America, I didn't have my parent, no uncle, no family member give me any TED talk or any of this talk. So I just want to offer that, you know, my experience in outside of graduate, you know, some of you that are currently in corporate America that are probably younger or even have a lot more experience, this is going to be a revealing episode for you to realize, you know, oh, is that what it is, you know? Because I feel like when you just see the whole picture, you see really the life cycle, it will make sense for you, you know? And in the future episode, we'll dive in a little bit more. So I want to make this episode really, you know, have a... Everything that is here is really Lizette taught. You know, some of them are my personal experience. So I'm going to give you fact, opinion, and situation. Really, that's how that's going to be the framework. You know me. I'm an engineer. My brain thinks in a systematic way. So it's always going to be fact. This is the fact. This is my opinion. And this is my experience. That's how we're going to frame it up. So I hope this is super beneficial. Obviously, hit me up on social media and give me feedback or DM me as the kids say. So yeah, again, I'm your host, Lizette. And uh, today we're going to dive into the important conversation of life cycle of Black women in corporate America. First, we need to acknowledge that the experience of Black women in corporate America are very monolithic, you know, we are diverse, uh, individual, and very complex, you know, I mean, personality come into play too, right, so we are not all the same, you know, so fact, that's a fact, but the common theme and experiences shared by many, largely, okay, due to systematic systematic and uh, institutional, institutionalized racism, Along with gender bias, you know, if we're talking about women, there's gender bias. Now let's talk about the early career stage, right? Most black women enter the corporate America um, with a host of challenge, you know, right away. Research shows that we are more likely to be underpaid, undervalued, and less likely to, to receive promotion, despite being one of the most educated group in the country. Uh, let's equip ourselves with a fact, Black women are the most educated group in the country, period. That, that's a fact, okay? So many black women start off their career with great enthusiasm. And I can see myself starting out with my first job, even at the university. Enthusiasm on point, excited after being to college for four or five years, finally getting a job, you know? But we quickly face reality. You know, black women are often expected to prove our competence repeatedly far more than our colleague. You know, it's a phenomenon that have a name. There's a steeper upcline, often accompanied with microaggression and stereotyping threat, you know. Uh, where black women feel we feel at risk of being conforming to stereotype about races and gender group. And then when we get a chance to advance in our career, we are often faced with a, a, a term called double glass ceiling, right? You know, the glass ceiling, and then oh, sometimes they call it the concrete ceiling. Basically, there's a lot of discrimination that is faced due to, again, our race and our gender. And I, I just want to caveat those of you that are a little bit, um, what is the word? 
fragile or what did they call it this way snowflake or you know you always like oh let's not talk about race well if you don't want to hear about race i would suggest this is not an episode for you you know just let me caveat that because this is the reality this is the, that's the, there's no any conversation about the life cycle of white women in the workplace you know and we're gonna dive into why why it does not because we are often the only one around we're often even the token as some people like to call it. So we are often the only one, you know. So as we advance, as I was saying, there's this double glass ceiling that is right there. And the one that I'm severely saddened by, and that is actually flat out. The reason why I create this podcast is because Black women are severely underrepresented in leadership role, you know. And I like to joke and tell friend and family that, okay, Let's just say you have your job, you are a teller, nothing wrong with a teller. I haven't been to the bank in a while, but I think there's a job called teller, right? Let's just say you are a teller at Bank of America, nothing to do with Bank of America. It's just an example. It could be Chase, it could be Wells Fargo. Let's say you are a teller. You have a nice, lovely job at teller. You make a nice salary. Nobody's going to have a problem with you, you know? Maybe the customer, some jerk customer might be, you know, jerky, you have a nice job at Walmart as a cashier, respect cashier. I love to have a cashier check me out. I used to love the, you know, the automated stuff. But these days I'm like, no, I want to talk to somebody. That's after the pandemic, clearly I'm like, I need to talk to somebody, you know, especially when I go to Sam's Club and stuff like that. My point is, if you have a middle-aged job, mid-sized job, you know, not too low level, nobody's going to have a problem with you. But guess what? Teller at uh, Bank of America, then you gravitate. Maybe you try to be like a teller manager. Watch the microaggression and all the discrimination and all the roadblock come at you. Then you elevate, you become a senior manager. Ooh. Then you become a hmm, director, maybe, of some customer service. Now it's getting tipsy. It's getting difficult. Then you become senior director of something, you know, of a merging acquisition. Ooh, that's a problem. Then you say vice president. Oh, gosh. Well, bless your heart. You know, that's when you, you, you see you can realize it. You know, all this that we are talking about. So if you are not at that level, um, I want to say, you know, just listen and trust, uh, trust the process, <laughs> trust the conversation, you know. So black women are severely underrepresented in leadership role. You know, I've been in leadership role for the past uh, decade, for the past 12 years, literally. And um, I'll tell you my story when the time comes. But I, I have been the only black woman in every organization at my role. Nobody yet in the organization has the same level as me. I've been the only black woman in a sea of manager in the building. Like manager have meeting. I'm the only black woman. Leadership, right? Just manager. I'm not even talking about C-suits, right? Because that's just 
not happening at all. So they face the exclusion. We face a lot of exclusion from internal uh, informal network, lack of mentorship opportunity, systematic bias in promotion practices. And I've, I've spoken about it, you know, forget about mentorship, sponsor people. This whole mentorship thing, it is not working. Sponsor people. Talk about people in the room. Talk about how great somebody is in the room you know leverage your network for the woman in your for the black woman or the woman of color in your team you know the mentorship game not working we've tried that moreover the few who do break through the ceiling often feel isolated and over scrutinized so we are talking about us here Yes. So as I'm saying, as you advance through the ranks, as they call it, right, whatever that ladder is, and I hate that word ladder, but you advance through the ranks. As I was giving the example, right, you know, manager, Chase Bank, um, senior manager, and then director, you're going to see that uh, you feel isolated because you're by yourself. You can't relate to anybody, literally. You cannot relate. And the thing is, we have no idea what does that feel like when you cannot relate to anybody. You are the first, you know. And we'll give you solution, just fact all, and then sharing experience here. So we are I'm frequently the only black person on all the organization that I've been at, at the leadership level, always sadly, but truth, you know. In the beginning, everybody's happy about this hire, you know. This, so this is, let's get into the cycle, right? Everybody's happy about the hire. I've been in a situation where I am sure there's a huge announcement that is sent out with a picture and say we are excited to have X, Y, and Z. In this case, Lizette Zuno as your X, Y, and Z role. She has uh, held this experience. The black woman come in and does a good work. So you get pumped. Everybody's excited. They're like, ooh, who is this lady? She lead, you start tackling some of the important systematic problem, you know. Uh, you are like in need in the sack, you solving problem, you networking, you excited. There's a honeymoon period. Everybody's excited about you, you know. Then we get to the reality. Okay, there's always a reality, yes. After after the honeymoon period and the reality set in. How do you know the rolling one period is over? Good question. How do you know? Usually this is what happened. It's over when the women of color start addressing the system or real issue that is happening in the organization that people are afraid to discuss. Because there's always this, you know, you know, like this, the, 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 that's the thing with diversity, right? Because everybody, you all look the same, you know, you hire your friend, you have the cousin of your friend, so you all talk the same, do things the same, eat the same, and then you bring somebody that does not look like you, right? So now they have a different worldview, they have different perspective, they have different experience, they have different value, they have different skin tone, they have different voice, Voices. They have a different leadership style, difference, diversity. So because they're different, they think differently. They want to do things differently. And then you guys that are all brothers and sister and cousin and whatever, right? You all are different. Let me give you a little clue. Because I've been through this so many times. I usually ask, you know, and I just got better over the years, right? I usually ask. 
when I interview a company, I'm like, why, why are you looking for this position? When was the last time? I mean, I have my list of questions. I can bring it out. If that's ever an interest on this podcast, I can bring it out. But I'm just reciting them from top of my head because those are my favorite ones. I always like side note when you're interviewing, make it a two-way conversation. They want to find out about you, but you also want to find out about them. Because, I mean, once you've been into spaces where your mental health has been tremendously impacted, you want to check out where you're going. You know, I don't want to go in this house. And then I'm going to be burned out right away, right? So I'm going to be interviewing you all too. So why are you looking for this position? How long has this position been open? What was the last person that was in this role? What is? What do you expect? Like, this is just four or five questions that I'm firing out, out of my head, because that's what I do. I ask questions for a living. So easy for me. But get into the habit of doing that. So the honeymoon period get over because, you know, you start addressing things, you are asking the writing question, and then people start panicking. And then they become uncomfortable about your leadership and your desire to create change because we're always here to create change. We're disruptor. You know, they hire us, and one of my favorite person is Bozema St. John. I'm just going to give her a shout-out because I love her. In her new book, uh, The Urgent Life, she's talking about this, and uh, she's talking about this in a couple of podcasts before where she talked about, like, you have the sun. The sun is bright shining outside. You see the sun, and you want to bring the sun in your organization. And then when you bring the sun, now the sun has been shining. The sun you want to shine in your house, but you're like, oh, Oh, the light is too bright. Let's dim the light. Oh, no. So they start undermining you. Conversations are happening behind the scene to sabotage you, sabotage your leadership. You know, they're reviewing you. They're impacting your earning power. They're trying to cut your wings sometimes. You know, like you see yourself in an organization. You are a director. You are a senior manager. That's all me. Happened to me before. I have the right to like hire as many people. I have the budget. I have everything. I start doing what I need to do. I'm like, oh, this team need to change. They need to hire somebody. This team need to do this. This team need to do this. And I see all my male counterparts just doing it. Nobody asks them any questions, you know? They are exercising the power. But watch out. Black woman coming, she want to exercise the power? No, 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 no. They're going to be like, oh, no, you can't do that, you know? You cannot hire anybody willy-nilly because you'd say like, okay, maybe you have way too many of the same race here. Let's spice it up a little bit. Let's make it diverse, you know? Let's just... That's what we do. When you're an inclusive leader like me, that's what you do, right? You change the system. You change the process. That's what I do. And you change the outcome. Because for me, as a quality leader and a tech executive, I feel like the organization needs to look like the people that are going to use the product. That is just always what it is. So inclusion is part of the program. You, It's part of like the game plan. I'm always going to have an inclusive team. That's just how I work. And uh, you start doing that. And they're like, oh, no, you can't hire Joe because Joe is black. And uh, Joe make us feel comfortable, a.k.a. Lizette. You already making us feel way too comfortable, uncomfortable. So we're not going to have a two of this guy or this girl here, pretty much. That this is all real. This is all fact, by the way. Keep that in mind. So even though the issue you bring it up is right 
that your leadership say you can do that, that your leadership say you can hire willy-nilly and you have the budget for it and you have been hired a bunch of other white people. This is my real life experience, you know. But then you choose to like, oh, maybe after I hire seven, you know, Caucasian people, let me throw in, you know, a black candidate that you actually qualify and love. Nope, they go behind your back and it's like a whole World War Three. It is a mess. It is a big mess. Even though the situation, you know, so you get a, re that's a reality. And I give you six to nine months to get into reality mode usually. And then when you start bringing the change, bring it. And I just happen to be in a position where I'm always doing change management. You know, I'm doing agile transformation slash quality transformation. I'm changing mindset. I'm changing the way people do their work. I'm changing the way people do quality. There's a lot of change, you know, and I happen to be black woman asking people to do things certain way. Sometimes it does not taste well. Let's just call it what it is. It doesn't taste well. So there's a, always a response. That's the reality. Because for me, for us, I'm sure, and I've actually interviewed many Black women about this topic. Our next episode, I'm going to dive into their response and all the feedback that I got from other people. But today is just about me sharing my story and the life cycle in general. It's the same. So this is not just like, oh, don't come at me and say, oh, Lisa, this is just one story. No, we have collected enough data to know that this is real. This is happening. This is happening. Okay. And so then you get the reality. So the reality, I give you six to nine months before a year, the reality is going to kick in. You know, the honeymoon period will pass unless you don't come and shake it up. You know, unless you just come, which other people do. You just come, you just follow, follow the plan. But when you're a leader, I don't think you follow the plan. When you're a leader, you're supposed to come and disrupt, supposed to change things. You're supposed to transform. You know, you're supposed to lead. So reality is going to set in eventually. Next come the organization, the response, right? And response may vary. <laughs> this is where the women colleagues start pushing back on your idea and disagree with you publicly. And that, 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 that is, uh, is a beautiful sight for lack of a better word, that is a beautiful sight. They start to question. So you see, disagree, question, if you are even the right person for the job. Like, really? Can she do the job? And this is just a side note. For whatever reason, we are never given the benefit of the doubt. We are never given, like, oh, maybe we need to give her more time to figure it out or no. But guess what? We give plenty of everybody plenty of time we give Karen yeah for lack of better word you know Karen plenty of time to figure it out like we all know Karen don't know nothing but we like oh Karen let's give you three let's give you nine months to figure it out let's partner Karen with Aisha black woman so Karen can learn from Aisha but make a mistake and make Aisha be not be up to par. There will not be any grace period for Aisha. I'm telling you, that's just the reality. That's how the system is built, you know. Um, next, come to the organization response, right? So they disagree with you publicly. They question if you're even the right person for the job. They push back, you know. It becomes really discomfortable. Not from the work, but just from being present, you know. 
when you try to address issue, they don't want to address it. Their response are usually negative, you know, and there's a strong pushback. And you know whether you get the real pushback, the real, real pushback, we're going to be real on this podcast, white woman, flat out. The amount, there's something about, and I don't know, this is a public podcast. Please let me know, educate me. There's something about, and they have shown this, there's something about us black women and white women. We just make them afraid. We just make them sometimes discomfortable. And we'll talk more about it. It's it's It has to do with white supremacy. Yes, that's what it is. The pushback comes from discomfort. Not from the work that is done, but that, how the organization addresses it. You know, it's really sad. You will think like we are women. Let's get together. It doesn't matter the race. I mean, we are few here. I'm in tech. There's even less women, less women. So we should partner. We should align. We should follow each other. We should mentor each other. We should sponsor each other. We should be natural allies. No, sometimes this is not the reality. You need them to move forward that's what you think you need white allies yes you need both men and women you need people you need your co-worker you need a diverse group of ally that's the message but no that's not the reality sadly you know and then it gets really pissed and painful to realize that the white women are not your allies <laughs> if you do a little bit of road course analysis you give your time you're going to realize that there's one culprit in the whole bunch that is sabotaging you to the death of it. And the situation, this is the situation. The earlier you realize who that is, the better it is. If you don't, you're going to search for it for a long time. And this one saboteur is going to influence a bunch of other people and you're going to have a group of saboteur, which is... So the earlier you realize who the saboteur is and you confront them or you deal with them, you know, the better. That's just my answer. But you're going to realize that, you know, white women are not your allies. You know, they're likely operating from a place of competition of fear and do not actually have uh, your back. They don't have your back most of the time. And this is just most of the time. You know, I have some great ally, white women, white men, so many other races, but I had less ally than not. So this is just a reality. But what you don't realize is um, they don't think, uh, the white women don't think they should be your allies. They're operating from a place of competition and fear. You know, you're trying to create a world where everyone thrives. But for some reason, there's resistance because they realize that, okay, you're making them pretty feel uncomfortable and they're not ready for change they're just not or they don't want you to be the one doing the change you know oh, how about when they steal your idea how about then when they act smart and act nice come to you want to take all the credit and they don't want to they, they don't want to give you credit happened to me before they try to offer even when you try to offer idea and suggestion they take it back and place it as their own you know so simply, it's a programming that have led to this kind of situation why we cannot align sometimes, you know, simply because white people don't like to be uncomfortable. They don't like discomfort. And really because of, I'll say, culture of white supremacy culture, they think that 
the idea are always right. The thing that there should be supremacy, they need to be up and then we need to be below them. That's just what it is. And um, most people don't even realize it because that's how they have been conditioned, you know. So unless we are speaking about this in a vocal way, unless, you know, they have been um, empower and educate in a way where, you know, they understand that, you know, we are all equal, we are all smart, we are all bright, you know, unless they have been in a neighborhood where they've met smart black other women, you know, it's a systemic thing, you know, and unless you start breaking it for them and you are super close and they realize that, oh, this girl is like sharp. This girl is taking us places, you know, we should follow her lead. You know, she's the leader. She came here with the expertise. Let's follow her, you know. So it takes time to adjust. Really for us, it takes time to adjust. This is nothing that you learn right away. Many, many times, if you don't know, you're going to start to shrink. What's going to happen in your reaction is you're going to shrink and you're going to be silent, which is not good. After the reality, the next step is retaliation. Retaliation begin. That's the last step in the cycle. And that's often where brown and black people get discredited behind the scenes. So now... The reality is showing, they're questioning you, they're, they're wondering. But then now they're going to retaliate, like, because you keep pushing them, right? You you have not backed down. They have fear, they're competing with you, they're sabotaging. Now they're going to go full-blown sabotaging you. Uh, it doesn't stop here. Your credibility gets poisoned, even inside and outside the organization sometimes. So you got to be careful and create a network outside of your organization, a strong network. Uh, the people in power do whatever they can to discredit uh, you, you know, and even discredit. And the sad thing is when they're discrediting you, they're discrediting the broader community because most likely they'll never hire another black woman. That's it. When they give it a taste, that's it. <laughs> and it can take another time. This is like a whole national debate, right? But this is reality. Um decrease your earning power, you have less potential in the future, you have less opportunity, you know? And you spend, what happened is when you're feeling retaliated, you know, this happened again and again and again. And this is like a two-year cycle sometimes, if you don't know, from the honeymoon period, from the reality, from the reaction, and then from the retaliation. This can take a two-year cycle. And you spend a lot of trying, time to feed in because because you don't know the cycle, right? So you don't even know what's happening, you know? And I'll tell you some of the things that are like warning sign for me, maybe in the next episode, but things that now I don't even appreciate it anymore because I'm like, it could be a cycle. And that's why we're talking about PTSD of being a black woman in corporate America. This is a talk that I do at conferences and that a lot of conference love me to bring and bring it, you know. I talk about the dealing with post-traumatic uh, stress uh, uh, of being a black woman in tech uh, in corporate America. And I'll dive in that in the next episode. But this is reality. So the honeymoon is over. Totally. You know that uh, you work hard three times as many hours to build relationship. But with a stroke of a pain, somebody can destroy it, something that you build. 
because somebody has anxiety or they have fear or they feel like you're competing or you make them uncomfortable because of your tone. Ah, we're going to talk about tone. No, go back to episode two of this whole uh, up your confidence. We talk about tone policing and in general, but our tone, black women are the most tone police people on the planet. I don't know why. Again, it's the supremacy thing. So usually your performance get it impacted. Yes. Because guess what? The way corporate America is set up, you got your manager, you got your peers. So your peers need to give you feedback, right? Guess what? If Karen is part of your peer group or Bob is part of your peer group, Joe Smith, Joe Smith don't like you because Joe Smith's sister is Karen. So Joe Smith is going to go talk to Karen and do, I mean, Karen's going to talk to Joe Smith. Joe Smith is going to talk to Karen. They're going to give each other a good grade. They're going to say some excited thing about each other. But when Aisha get involved, they're going to be like, oh, Aisha, the way she talk, she doesn't align with us. She doesn't agree with us. You know, they're going to blast your whole feedback. You know, it doesn't even matter if your manager like you. If you're lucky, you have a good manager. It might still bring you down, but it's not bring you all the way. You might be like, let's say performance is out of 10. You might be six or seven, you know, while you're supposed to be a 10, according to you, right? And then... That's just because your manager love you. Now, if you the, you got like Karen in your manager ear Monday to Friday because Karen is a given to retaliate against you. So she's going to spend her whole one-on-one just talking about you to her manager. <laughs> that has happened before. <gasps> then that's reality too. So the honeymoon is over. You know, your performance improvement is going to take it deep. They're going to say, you have a communication style problem. See, I have a problem and I'm doing a talk very soon in the near future in the fall about, you know, equity hiring, best practice and retention, best practice of uh, um, diverse talent. And, you know, when I'm talking to HR and I ask them to like, we're looking and I don't like this feedback of like, this person is not a good fit. That's a BS. Don't ever do that. This person is not a fit, does not mean anything. This just means, you know, we are brothers and sisters here. You know, we have Joe, Jack, Jelly, Jilly. We are brothers and sisters. We are, you know, friends, white friends here. And then now we bring in Aisha again. I don't have any other name or Shaniqua. We bring Aisha or Shaniqua into the mix. We don't like the way Shaniqua communicate. Well, Shaniqua is not you. Do you get what you need from Shaniqua? Yes. Fact. Get the information you need. Don't worry about the way she talk. Don't worry about how she talk. Don't worry about how she snap her finger. None of your problem. Get to the point. You know, because what happened is people have been code switching so long. Shaniqua has been her whole life. Just code switching is exhausting if you don't know. Because if you don't know the way code switching work, I have never done code switching as far as I know. <coughs> It doesn't work because I'm all about being transparent and fully authentic. You know, um, we can get into other uh, conversation about code switching. Maybe I should do a, a full podcast, but I am not an expert in code switching to be. I'm just going to be bashing code switching all over because I am not an expert in code switching. I am just Lizette in and out of work. You know, anybody that work with me, I'm the same Lizette at home. I walk at parties and in the gym. 
I'm the same one and the same lizard at Walmart too. Like, sadly, I don't have good uh, poker face. So if my facial expression, it is what it is. If it doesn't work, I'll be like, really? So that's just what it is. That's that, that that's me. That's me. So don't be telling, you know, communication style. That, that's a red flag. That, that is not a thing, you know. Figure out the problem and tell Aisha or Shaniqua the problem. Her ability to work well with others has come into question. You know, now they're going to be like, oh, she's not collaborative. She doesn't align well with us. You know, she's not, she doesn't mesh well. She's always asking insensitive questions. She pushed back too much. You know, like, you're not working well with them. Of course you're not. You're different. They have been working well all together. Now you join them. What do you expect? They want you to assimilate, you know, they don't want to bend over. They want you to bend in all the way in, into them. That's not what we call diversity. That's not equity. Nope. Her idea and work at discredit and pick apart. No. So this is what's going to happen. Like when Bob's dead, there's nobody asks any question. Bob is like, cool, cool, cool. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Let Shaniqua do the same thing. They're going to be like, oh. We got to follow the book. We got to follow the book tape. We got to follow step one through five for this process. Like, really? But then when Bob was doing it, there was no step one through five. Okay. Okay. I see. So I'm a process person. I'm always like, let's document the process. Let's follow the process. Same process for Bob. Same process for Aisha. Yes. Her idea and work at discredit for the part because, you know, the idea create... Uh, it's not the idea, so they want to pick it apart. How this and I mean everything that I'm telling you, it's a pattern that I've seen in the last two decades in corporate America echelon. It's unacceptable. Let's stop it. How do we break the cycle? There's various ways we can break the cycle. It's there's a lot of burden being a first. Like as, as I told you, I've been the first black woman in the building. I've been the first black woman in the floor of a building. I've been the first black woman in a leadership team. I've been the first black woman uh, in a manager leadership out of an entire Fortune 500 organization. First black manager ever, and uh, I've been the first black woman uh, in uh, in an entire organization. You know. So first, 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 it's a lot of burden, even if you don't realize it, it's just a lot of burden. It's tasking, you know, it's asking a lot for one person to not do excellent job because even though I believe in transparency and authenticity and not being a burden because you are the first, because Lisette is not Aisha, Aisha is not Shaniqua, I'm different, right? But you know, that, you know, if Lizette made a mistake, wherever she goes, there will never be any more Aisha or Shaniqua. That's just what it is. And that never happened to any other group of people. So there's a solution of this problem that requires courage and thinking differently. We got to end the cycle of this reality response and retaliation. It's good to know it so you are self-aware. But people don't admit it. Many don't like working for black women. People don't like it. They're resisting us as a leader or seeing us creating change that they don't, they, they don't want to adapt or assimilate. That's just what it is, you know. Um, I'm going to dive into my story maybe next time for better, for better just give you, because I've given you snippet of my story here and there. But I think there will be a lot of 
benefit in actually me sharing my story in entirely uh with with you guys in the in the next episode but to complicate things for the black women often carry the burden of representation we are always the only one and being always the only one is mentally exhausted and tasking as i mentioned yes it's not all struggle finally it's not all struggle and one of my favorite words after confidence, because, you know, confidence is the number one ingredient to your success. And I literally saw a reel this morning talking about that. So, well, get on the train. Confidence is it is, is a key ingredient. Resilience is my next best one, because how do you make it in corporate America for two decades? How do you go through several versions of uh, this, several versions of reality response honeymoon period retaliation how do you go through that it's through god resilience and perseverance and success because i can say that i've been successful in a, uh, in my corporate life yes i've been able to gravitate echelon i don't personally talk about my personal success that much because i feel like it's an evolving you know uh, like i always like to talk about to my uh, coaches people that are coaching my focus to mastery program that we are actually kicking off today as i'm recording the podcast hello focus to mastery people if you're listening Thank you. We are going to have an exciting summer. You know, by the time this podcast come out, you guys probably going to be halfway through your focus to mastery. But I like to talk about, you know, uh, the perseverance, you know, the the success that we, uh, I don't get to talk about a lot of my personal story uh, because I feel like, you know, we are always elevating, you know, it's all about empower, educate and elevate, right? And everybody is not at the same level, but everybody's going to the next level. Let me say it again. That should be on a t-shirt. Everybody is not at the same level, but everybody is going to the next level. So for me, I'm always like striving for the next level. So I don't really take too much time unless I go to podcast interview or I go to like a TV show when they're asking me, tell me about your story. Now I have to go by, oh, when I was a child and when I came here in the United States 25 years ago, blah, blah, blah. But that is the story. There is a success on the other side of all this, right? But it requires resilience. It requires perseverance. And it's definitely a success story. You know, not a lot of people make it. You know, I I was in corporate America for like uh, well over 17 years. I came out, opened my own business. I experienced that. And then I went back and I'm doing both now. So there is a success story in this, you know, is it already as successful as I want to be? No, because when you are like me and we're going to talk about successful women that I strive to be like trailblazer and those trailblazers are here because they inspire us. Right. So let's start with my mom. Let's just start with Oprah, my namesake. You know, Oprah is a trailblazer that we are looking at every day, right? She's the Nevera. She's the, one of the most powerful women in the world. She's uh, the number one uh, uh, billionaire, billionaire woman, right? So Oprah is the CEO of uh, and chairman of Own Network. And I've known Oprah since uh, for the past 25 years, literally, or even for the past 30 years. So I know Oprah 
uh, my entire adult life and she has definitely impacted me. So find role model, you know, we have a couple of role models CEO as well. We have Rosaline Brewer, she's CEO of Walgreen right now, Boot Alliance. We have Tashonda Docket, she's the CEO of TI. I think she used to be a former CEO of Chase Bank customer customer banking. And then we have Osela Burns. She was the first black woman CEO, CEO of Xerox, you know, from a couple of years. And we also have some other role model, you know. Uh, my, one of my best friends gave me a book of uh, India Nuri. She's one of my favorite uh, CEO as well, CEO of PepsiCo, Pepsi. A couple of years ago, she was a former CEO. And uh, another exciting black woman that is a CEO that I'm loving, loving, and I'm actually paying attention to. I've been using her main name all podcasts. On purpose, Aisha Evan, she's CEO of Zeus. Zeus is a startup of a self-driving car uh, that just got um, acquired by Amazon for $1.2 billion. Yes, uh, Aisha Evan is from Senegal. So super excited. She's an inspiration to me and to so many other women that are immigrant that came in this country uh, early on to, to go for the education and then gravitate the echelon of corporate America. So they are success story. Yes. The absolutely the success and those successful people give us hope inspiration and i really hope you know that's where i want to like bottle down the podcast a little bit you know i don't want to go too negative i want us to like get into positive vibe toward the end because this has been a lot of information a lot of like Ugh, real information i'm gonna go back and listen a lot more to this and make sure i didn't like say anything out of pocket but if i did this is just the reality i hope i give you the right information with the right vibe you know like this is all good i have a lot of great white friend allies i have a lot of white male allies you know you need them all to be successful in your career so i wouldn't be here if you didn't have like great white allies but i also know that i have a lot of white women that have really burden i have but i also have some great white women friend you know that i network with it that i actually mentor that come into my focus to mastery program so it's all good, you know, we are not monolithic, but white women are also not monolithic. And this is the reason why this podcast is important, because I hope that when they listen, you know, not only when my black sister and girl and cousin and, uh, you know, listen to prepare themselves in the cycle of black women in corporate America, some of the white women read this or listen to this podcast and also realize, you know, their part so that they can unveil it and take the care and out of their face and realize, you know, what's actually happening. So as we close, it's important to know that corporation have a crucial role to pay. The, the intentional about diversity and inclusion, the intentional about addressing the conscious bias, providing mentorship and ensure equal opportunity for all. Most corporations in America want to do the right thing, I believe, you know. But what I love to say is uh, all the DNI effort die in the middle of corporate America. And the reason why I say that is I'll give you a story. When I was at American Heart Association, because I want to say the name of the organization, I was doing a lot of great work on uh, DEI. I was in the DEI advisory board and working directly with the CEO, you know, Nancy Brown, working directly with the, the chief diversity officer, you know, he's still there. 
and uh, and working directly with Sam, a great friend of mine, you know, that was also our DEI uh, advisory board member. Great work in the DEI advisory. While I was going through hell, hell, let's call it, in my own organization, while I'm going to retaliation with white women because I was part of DEI. Because they were like, oh, she's trying to get some wings in the organization, right? She's engineer. She's managing a QA team. She's leading the transformation in the organization. But oh, well, what the hell does she think she is? She's doing DEI. She's on a podcast with the CEO. She's on a roundtable with the CEO. She's on the roundtable hanging out with the chief diversity officer. Oh, no, she's like the president of Toastmaster, you know, uh, hanging out with the the SVP of uh, communication. You know, she's having communication plan because she's the leader of Toastmaster in the organization. Who does she think she is, you know? And they start just retaliating in a very scary way. Like, I have never seen retaliation in this form. And who were the culprit? Sorry to say they were not Chinese women. There was no Indian woman, you know, a white woman. That's just the reality. So do not come to me and tell me, oh, Lisa, this is just a one-time thing because it has happened several times before. This level was just accentuated. And back to my story at the beginning, if you tell her Bank of America, bah, you might not get all that, you know, but try to go hang out with the CEO of Bank of America and you will see a Karen come out of the woodwork to get you. So the podcast is really for you to get you. The podcast is really for you to like understand this, have a self-awareness about this so that you are prepared, prepared because we don't want you to leave corporate America. You know, we, and I'll tell you another story. While I was, um, you know, in my sabbatical, I was uh, enjoying my entrepreneurial life, you know, living my best life in the middle of the pandemic because that's when my business started. I was having lunch with um, one of our ment my mentees, you know, she used to work for me, one of my uh, uh, software engineer mentees. She was like, let's go out for lunch. So we went out for lunch November of that year. I don't even remember which year was that. And uh, maybe 2021, we went out for lunch, you know, just living my best life. I was going to go to wash my car afterward, you know, like when you don't have a full-time job, you you manage your schedule, right? You have meeting in the morning and then the rest of the day is yours. You know, you do what you got to do. And then later on, you work at night. Very, very open schedule. And I was while I was lunch at with my mentees, she told me, "Oh, Lizette, oh my God, you have no idea." Uh, that she was like, "How you we were exchanging, you know, a conversation about what we do, you know, what I'm doing these days, how excited I am. I'm so tired. I'm not even gonna go back to corporate. I don't want to do all this crazy stuff, all this microaggression, all this retaliation. I don't have time for it, you know." And she was a newly new mom. So she was asking me now, me being a mom for over a decade, like, how did I even manage it back then? You know, and she reported to me nearly 10 years ago. So she was like, how are you able to manage it? Now I'm going through all this. And I'm like, wow, Lizette was a big boss and she was really sweet. And she was a great mother. She was juggling all this. You know, how are you doing it? I was like, well, I was doing it, but I'm not going back to do it. And then she looked at me. She's like, Lizette, don't give up on corporate America. I was like, why? She's like, don't give up. We need people like you. And I was just 
eating my food, enjoying my food, by the way. And I was like, you say what? She's like, don't give up on corporate America. You know, even if it's a startup, even if it's whatever, they need you out there. You know, we need your voice out there. We need you to, you know, to just show what a great manager need to be. And that stuck on me. You know, when she said, I was like, oh, okay. She's like, no, you should go back. Don't give up on it. I was like, what is she talking about? Don't give up on it. I don't know if I want to do this, you know. I have been traumatized, <laughs> literally. But then when I left the meeting with her, I went to wash my car, you know. And so the car wash is happening. It's Car washing is a, a very mindful moment for me because I don't have to drive the car. I can just see through and then, you know, the water is doing the thing, washing the car. And it's like a, you have like a five to ten minute moment just by yourself where you can't do anything pretty much, you know. You're just in the car. And I was just thinking like everything she was saying just came back to me like, don't give up on corporate America come back women need you we need you we need you to show what is right leadership look like there's not a lot of women in corporate america there's not a lot of black women in corporate america there's not a lot of tech women in leadership position in corporate america all those three sentences came coming back to me and i was like she's right She's right. And on that November evening, faithfully, I start putting my resume out there because people will call me. I'll be like, no, not looking. You need to hire me to do the job, hire my company to do the job, you know. And I was doing a contract for this company, you know, enjoying it to company or trying to chase other contracts and stuff like that. And obviously I was going through some challenge and I, I didn't love it. I was hating it low key, but I was loving part of it. So I had to reassess and was like, you know what? This is not too bad, you know, I can go back. So then from that moment, that November, that year, that's when I actually start officially looking. And then, you know, later on, I found this role that is super perfect for me right now that I cannot complain about, you know, that I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm making a lot of impact. But I was really intentional into my search. I was really intentional into the space that I want to occupy when I go next. Intentional about how I was going to deal with my mental health. Intentional about being transparent. Intentional about being authentic. Intentional about being bringing my full self to work. Intentional about, I never could switch, but just being Lizetta, you know, fully. So there's a lot of benefit to hiring diverse talent for organization. I hope uh, uh, you get opportunity to work for a company that foster inclusion and diversity and uh, the company get to re benefit on the innovation, uh, decision making, employee satisfaction. Because at the end of the day, it's a win win. You know, you bring a black talent, you bring a black woman, you bring a diverse person in your organization. And I'm going to start where I, I was talking about in the middle. For me, as a QA leader, as somebody that care about the product that get delivered out there, as somebody that care about the process of the product that get delivered, as somebody that care about the way of work, you know, the quality of product, I feel like the quality of product need to look like the people that test it. I mean, that the people that use it. And if you want to be a brand that is very successful, you can't just cater to like a certain percentage of the population. You have to cater to everybody. So my team always, I strive that my team looks like the world. And I have been extremely successful at doing that. I've been extremely proud of myself, of being an inclusive leader for the past uh, two decades, literally. But 10, uh, 10 years as I've been uh, a manager and leader and a director so gravitating the range and i'm going to continue doing that so i 
feel like it's a win-win situation if it's well done um and that's why you know i'm having this episode so that you know a little black girl black young lady black adult and even black woman or any other race uh, uh people of color that will listen to the podcast find inspiration find joy find hope find uh, resist resiliency into the story that i share that it is happening find awareness into the reality the honeymoon period and be aware of it and use the right word in a language so that people so you can dismantle those uh mindset but i also hope that you know uh for 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 white women i always like to direct to white women don't just stop at being an ally you know become an advocate really use your allyship you know if you are not ally you're just on the sideline jump in become an ally and ask questions, try to understand because some of these are like systematic things that are already been engraved in the society. And by talking about it, that's how we dismantle it, you know, dismantle the status quo so that we open ourselves up a little bit and we can really share with each other what we are feeling and why we are feeling this way. And we don't have to feel threatened by each other. There's no point. We have to be allies. You know, there's not a lot of women in tech there's not a lot of black women in tech, so we can help each other, you know. A win for you is a win for all of us. A win for us is a win for you as well, right? So there's a lot of fact about this. This is just my opinion. Indeed, it's a wrap for today's episode. Join me next time. The second uh, version of this is really going to be where we explore the my a little bit about my experience in the corporate world and what I call the post-traumatic stress and anxiety that get caused by all of this because as it's toxic and toxic, it is also something that you can recover from. I find myself on the other side and I'll give you tools and technique and methodology of how you can recover and how you can find purpose, how you can enjoy your passion in your work and continue to thrive in corporate America. Thank you. Remember that the change start with conversation. So I hope today has been an enlightening conversation and we shall continue. Thank you. Bye. of individual ever achieves 80% of the potential did you know that only 20% of individual ever achieves 80% of the potential when I read that I was shocked that this reality when you start paying attention with my program focus to mastery that I started in 2016 I have consistently successfully have women participate and they mostly have completed their goal on average about 80%. So there's a solution and there's a system to accomplish your goal. I'm thrilled to bring back my coaching and accountability program called Focus to Mastery this year. Only few women will be admitted. Do you have a goal this year? Do you need to achieve your wild goal, wildest goal? Do you need to crush your VIP goal? How is your goal going so far this year? This is the program for you. This is a coaching program that helps women achieve their personal and professional goal. 
I help you determine your why and equip you on how to achieve your what. That is your most valuable, important personal and professional goal in 66 days. There's a structured program online with about 10 models with daily accountability in a safe space with group of women that is driven and successful women ready to crush their VIP goal and increase their confidence every day. Let me know if you have any questions, but I would like to invite you to join us. The enrollment has started for our session. You can find the information all in the show notes here, but also on my website, zsquarecorner.com. Focus to Master is a program. See you in there. Thank you. Explore West Africa with us. Explore beautiful West Africa with this square adventure that is traveling with purpose. You want to make an impact with your traveler? Join us. We make it possible for you, our guests, to enjoy and discover three amazing West African destinations, Benin, Togo, Ghana. We offer an upscale experience, a beachfront, four-star and plus resort style accommodation for 10 days. If you're an African-American in search of your African route, or you're passionate or curious about Africa, its culture, history, food, and people, this is an opportunity you don't want to miss. What awaits you? Sightseeing, local markets, festive balls, local food tasting. Go to our website, www.thisquareadventure.com Africa is just a sign up away from you. The countdown starts now. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have enjoyed this conversation and you find it inspirational or educational, please share with your friends, family, and even colleagues. Because like you know, sharing is caring. And when you up your confidence, your friend will also up their confidence too. Leave us a review. Also follow our Facebook page, Up Your Confidence. We are growing and excited to have you and to continue the conversation on our Facebook page. As always, you can email me or DM me on Instagram at zsquare4 and zsquare on all other social media. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and remain blessed.